WTS presents 3, 2, 1 All the Feelings This episode Belonging Pete, we are already over halfway through ATF 807 Lock and Load. Stop saying things about guns. How are you today? We are. You are actually home in Colorado Springs, so I you am. are. You're on assignment. I'm on assignment. <laughs> Uh, yes. Because you're home with friends and family, which is perfect. Yeah. Because do you know what we're talking about today? I don't. I've prepared nothing. The, today's feeling, if that's a word for it, is belonging. Belonging, noun, an affinity for a place or situation. A feeling of being happy or comfortable as part of a particular group and having a good relationship with the other members of the group because they welcome you and accept you. Pete, we are seven episodes into this season, and mm -hmm. let's be honest, I've been neglecting <laughs> a very important part of this podcast. With your permission, what I'd that? like to take you on one of my famous guided meditations. Oh, God. You ready? I knew I was missing them, but I uh -huh. did not know how much until just now. Uh -huh. Well, because uh -huh. you already traveled to Colorado Springs. Now you're going to travel in your own there. noggin. So <laughs> let's cue that background kind of mm -hmm. either ocean sound or really nice kind sure. of thing. Sure. And now just close your eyes and relax. Mm -hmm. Pete, imagine you're walking outside and the sun is shining down. And as always, you're barefoot and there's construction happening nearby, but you don't walk towards them. Instead, you're relaxed and you walk over toward a crowd of people. They're smiling and clapping for you, Pete. And you feel relaxed and calm and you walk toward them and they embrace you. They love you fully and unconditionally, Pete, and you're relaxed and you feel held. You feel held by them and you realize your pockets are heavy because they, they're they filled with your possessions. But this crowd of people, they'll take that weight off of you. So you give them all of your stuff and you're lighter and you're relaxed. And now they hug you and ask you to join them forever so you can never leave, but you wouldn't want to anyway. So you say yes and you're breathing and you're relaxed and they say they love you so much you don't need anyone else in your life so you can relax and never talk to your other friends or family anymore because this crowd is your new family so you wave goodbye to your old family goodbye old family and you're relaxed and oh, oh look your new family they brought juice and you love juice and you're going to drink the juice together and you're relaxed and the juice tastes weird and now we're waking up pete <laughs> How do you feel? Am I a Scientologist now? Is that all it takes? <laughs> That's all it takes. And it all starts with being barefoot. Pete, <laughs> have you heard of Abraham Maslow? M-A-S-L-O-W. Oh, I have. I have. And here's where our research overlaps. Oh, really? Do you have Maslow's <laughs> so hierarchy of human needs? You know, I just wanted to make sure it was in my set in case you forgot. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, for the listening audience back in 1940, so that is proof that we do not consult each other and we just throw a bunch of stuff <laughs> at the wall. We just nail it every um, week. Well, yeah. I'm taking uh, Maslow's mind this week. Mine. <laughs> mine Maslow. Uh, back in 1943, he developed what is known as Maslow's hierarchy of human needs. And it's basically a graph that looks like a pyramid at the bottom are basic uh, physiological needs like food and water. The next level up is what he calls safety needs like security, resources, and health. And then right in the middle, is what, Pete? Because you're so smart about Maslow. Belongingness and love needs, Tom. Exactly right. The need for belonging to feel accepted, love, and part of something. 
And this pyramid is still widely cited today in both of our research. <laughs> the, the reason I bring that up is that shows how vitally important and intrinsic our need for belonging is. Without it, we can't reach the top two levels of the hierarchy, which, as you know, is esteem and then ultimately self-actualization, the wanting to be the best you can be. So without belonging, Maslow's saying we are stuck merely satisfying our basic needs to just live. And as I did in my guided meditation, and because I'm an old grump and a weirdo, <laughs> I wanted to talk about how belonging can have a very dark side. I wanted oh, to turn man. the idea of belonging on its head and talk about how our need for belonging can be dangerous. And of course, I'm talking about gangs or more specifically, cults, Pete. Oh, Tom, so dark. You're launching us so dark. <laughs> right? You give me belonging, I give you cults. <laughs> And we are all going to be drinking something by the end of this episode. Now, I've always been fascinated with cults. Has it ever yeah. interested you? And if so, do you know why? I, do, I Okay, why? I don't know that I can answer. But am I interested in cults? Am I fascinated by cults? Absolutely. Do I write mm -hmm. fan fiction about cults? No, Surprising no. no one. Yes, I do. Um, <laughs> I I feel like uh, I, I feel like cults like the idea of creating a, a manipulated malicious sense of belonging is something mm -hmm. that everybody should think about <laughs> from time to time, lest right. we forget how we ourselves are being manipulated. So I'm deeply fascinated through historical cults, Jonestown, like uh, all the yeah. way through, you know, the um, uh, suddenly now I've, I've forgotten the name of it, but it's the Nexium, the Nexium, Nexium. cult, right? The sex yep. cult that, that is yeah. fascinating. The whole story is fascinating. So uh, hashtag it, Smallville. It is. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> watching reruns of that is always a very interesting experience. Now, very interesting. Like, uh, I wouldn't follow her. <laughs> um, I yeah, with the Nexium thing. Well, and I just watched uh, for research for this uh, script I'm writing with friend of the show, uh, Mandy Kaplan and her amazing writing partner, Jonas. Um, we watched this thing called The Deep End about Teal. Oh, what's her last? What's her first name? This is good that I brought this up and I don't have yeah. any of the proper nouns needed. But either way, it's always just sort of like cults hanging in there. Still, <laughs> still doing cults. Like, I feel like it wouldn't keep happening. Yeah. And that's one of my fascination with it is how could you ever get involved in a cult? Yeah. How does that happen? Right. Pete, I did a little bit of research. Oh, and this did is you something figure it out? I figured it out. No, <laughs> this is just something that never quite occurred to me when I flippantly say, why would you ever be in a cult? There's a therapist named Rachel Bernstein, and she works with uh, former cult members to get their lives back on track after they blow. Uh, to use a Scientology phrase, after they leave the cult. Uh, and she says, quote, a lot of people will say, how could you have gotten involved? And it's because you're never given all the information about a group that turns out to be a cult from the beginning. So you only have the information to go on that you've been given, which is very select, and you make your judgment call based on that. No one's able to make a fully educated decision before getting involved in a cult. Of course, no one mm -hmm. says, you don't start with the juice. <laughs> you right. start with the hugs. <laughs> and, you know, you don't start with Xenu. Mm -hmm. You start with E-meters. You start very low Dianetics-y kind of way to use Scientology um, to get you in. I guess I just never really quite thought about that. And that makes it so insidious, again, to go back to Triangle McGee, about using, like you said, weaponizing, what did you say, malicious belonging, yeah, the need for, right. is so insidious. And I'm glad that you brought up Nexium, uh, because in The Vow, uh, a the documentary, uh, there's a anonymous former member 
who I think they, if I remember correctly, they call her Jane or June. And she said she was drawn to Nexium because of the sense of community it provided. Yes. Uh, she says that she had struggled uh, forming deep relationships with other women throughout her life. So when she heard how close knit members of Nexium were and that it was a women only group she could join, she loved it. She became interested. Yeah. It's just that simple. And that's very scary. And there's something desperately sad about that. Well, and and look at, I mean, we're just talking about belongingness on, on uh, I believe you just called him his formal name, Triangle McGee. Uh, yeah, well, referring to Maslow. Maslow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. I'm sure he, that's what his friends and family call him. Um, but but look <laughs> at what the other, the, the rest of the the hierarchy dictates, right? So we have uh, physiological needs, food and water. Okay, so that's mm -hmm. fine. Safety needs, security needs, right? There are, it, it's arguably a lot of cult uh, activity satisfies that need. And once yes. that need is satisfied, how much easier is it to say belongingness, you belong here, you're appreciated here. And then the last two, which I don't think you talked about in this uh, review, esteem needs, prestige, feeling of accomplishment, like you're moving up in the ranks. And then finally, self-actualization. You brought up Dianetics. I did list both of those. Yeah. You did, but probably not loud enough for me to hear them on the <laughs> headphones. Uh, Self-actualization, which again is like making you feel like you're a part of this thing, you belong to this thing, and you are now making a difference in it, right? Right. You, your participation is better as a result of it. And I think right. that stuff is fascinating. It's like, it's like Maslow wrote starting a cult 101 and then presented the hierarchy of needs. Interesting. Yes, because there is so – I mean – we already used the word insidious, or I did. I don't know if you heard it. Um, <laughs> I don't I can't, I'm sorry. Shouting into a tunnel. This. Right. <laughs> you just start doing the Feeling Friends <laughs> segment while I'm talking, and I'm like, okay, this isn't working. Um, no, uh, so many just normal relationships mimic cult stuff mm -hmm. in a way. And I actually wanted to – this is something um, – uh, that I wanted to bring up. I'm not saying love is a cult, <laughs> but okay. I you do know what like you hear when you say certain things, right? I know. Like, yes. Yeah. I'm not a hater and love is not a cult. Yes. I'm not, yeah. not saying love yeah. is not a cult. Sure. Of course we landed on the moon. Okay. No, I'm not a crazy person, but I do going through some of the, the basic things that cults do to get you involved oh like processes of indoctrination process of indoctrination that's the one um are mimic some of them are mimic like getting into a new relationship a love relationship mm -hmm. uh and i just had three um that because a uh, number one is pick the right target so if you are single you're alone and you're lonely you're anxious to find love and find the right person Right? Are you are you just for a second? Are you like workshopping a, a spec episode of Black Mirror right now? Like it no. kind of feels like that's where you're going with this, and you're using <laughs> us as us. I say us, the feeling friends and audiences uh, members yeah. as guinea pigs. That feels mm. mean. <laughs> I'm still going. <laughs> Number two, have you heard the term love bombing? Oh yeah, yeah. Love bombing is when yeah. you are really. You just fall head over heels and you you all of the people in the cult really surround you and make you feel incredibly needed and incredibly important. Like you said, you're important to them. They're important to you. Mm -hmm. That's, of course, love bombing. That's what happens when you're in a new relationship. You want to spend all your time with each other. And yeah. that then leads to isolation. How often have you had a friend, at least growing up, when you see you, uh, you see a lot less of them 
before they got into a serious relationship. How many times have you heard the cliche, we never see you anymore. You're spending all oh, your yeah. time with blank. So I just think that that's it. They're using very natural because that's that's healthy in building a romantic relationship. Of course, mm -hmm. it's a little less healthy when you're in a cult. Uh, <laughs> but I like how they sort of mimic each other, which I think is really interesting. And then to use when you said you talked about uh, safety, mm -hmm. fear is a big part of it. Fear yes. can be what really you start to turn with the isolation is it becomes a us versus them kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And then that's when you, if you try to get out, they really uh, need to keep upping the entity of that fear and no longer belonging. If you have to leave, they need to present the clear answer to what you're afraid of or what you are missing in your life. Right. That's one of the big things is the black and white. Um, and then to go incredibly dark, I have a clip from a movie that I would like you to play. Okay. Um, it's from uh, a horror film that you and I both love. It's called The Mist, based on Stephen King's novella. And for those that haven't seen The Mist, it's a bunch of people are trapped in a supermarket when a bunch of monsters uh, are outside because there's like a portal to another dimension. Anyways, um, and there's this one woman named Mrs. Carmody in there who is religious, who's sort of looked at as the town kook, but then she starts really preaching about uh, different things and about how it's God punishing them. Mm -hmm. And I think it makes an interesting point about cults and belonging and how dark it can get. Want another reason to get the hell out of here? I'll give you the best one. Her. Mrs. Carmody. She's our very own Jim Jones. I'd like to leave before people start drinking the Kool-Aid. He's right. Like your people get, the better she's gonna look. No, I don't buy that. It's obvious she's nuts. Look, a few people, maybe, but... No, I count four. She's preaching to them right now. By noon, she'll have four more. By tomorrow night, when those things come back, she'll have a congregation, and then we can start worrying about who she's gonna sacrifice to make it all better. Hmm? You, Amanda, my little boy. He's right. You don't have much faith in humanity, do you? None whatsoever. I can't accept that. People are basically good, decent. My God, David, we're a civilized society. Sure, as long as the machines are working and you can dial 911, but you take those things away, you throw people in the dark, you scare the shit out of them. No more rules. You'll see how primitive they get. You scare people badly enough, you can get them to do anything. They'll turn to whoever promises a solution. Or whatever. Ollie, please, back me up here. I wish I could. As a species, we're fundamentally insane. Put more than two of us in a room, we pick sides and start dreaming up reasons to kill one another. Why do you think we invented politics and religion? Now, so obviously that's very dark, and to be clear, I am not taking a shot at basic religion. Mrs. Carmody is portrayed as a religious fanatic. It yeah. doesn't take long for her to start uh, demanding expiation and the spilling of blood. Um, but the point is she uses fear as a motivator in order to bring people together, to provide them hope by weaponizing their emotions. And that's a real dark side of belonging. This isn't a lot of fun, I know. No, it's not. <laughs> but you know what's interesting about that quote? It also proves the other side, right? They're sitting around a table preaching and talking right? about how dangerous religion is, right? Sure. That you, it's almost like you need to pick a side. Yeah, you're only, well, like, it, it's only, she's only an other 
because you're outside of it. Speaking of the royal you, right? Because right. I, I would be standing around this little light up table too. But uh, <laughs> but but it does make me reflect on the fact that you know what? To her flock, all these people who are plotting against her are other, and right. we're just demonstrating our inability to sit down and solve problems together. And that's what creates the the sort of fracturous behavior. Right. And again, it really points out that belonging is right in the middle of that triangle. I mean, right. we need to appear. I should really call it a pyramid. I don't know. <laughs> Do you remember the food triangle that you yeah. learned about in school? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sugar's right. at the top of the triangle. Um, yeah, that you need that. I mean, no matter what, we need to group together in some sort of way. Without that, we're just lost in yes. the darkness. And so that's just why I wanted to bring up cults. It's something that is still incredibly going on and a lot mm -hmm. of it is seen it seems like a lot more now it is through self-help yeah. a lot of the ones uh okay the one about teal uh the deep end uh there's a lot about um it can start almost like an mlm i sometimes. was just gonna bring so, that up yeah yeah and, and that's what i wonder sometimes tom is like i think about cult leaders and i think mm -hmm. in this day and age because you opened with that question of oh god now i'm in a cult like how do you know you're in a cult and i wonder yeah. If today, given the prominence of information and misinformation, if the cult leaders actually fall prey to the same uh, equation, that maybe they're just people who have an idea to share. And before long, they don't realize that they, oh my God, I just made a cult. And like that, that is a fascinating thing to me. I say that kind of as a joke, but it's not, right? Like, it's really not. Are, are fans of Oprah Winfrey part of a cult? Hmm. Some of them, maybe. <laughs> right. You know, I love Oprah. I think she's great. Am I a member of a cult? Uh, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about this in, in, my, in, in my part of the segment, which I think is maybe equally dark and frustrating, but we'll see. It's on, <laughs> like, certainly on brand for us. I know. I love that we gave each other belonging and we're both like <laughs> in a pit and playing quotes from the mist. Um, no, it's very on brand. It's very on brand. Um, yeah. No, that's a good point. And I think um, like a lot of the cult leaders, especially the um, self-help ones that we were talking about, um, they all they absolutely do start from a good place and then yeah. sometimes they get a little taste of power or adulation and that's when it turns when you need to keep that you can't yes. give that up anymore um of course if anyone out there because like pete is worried if he's in an oprah cult uh ways <laughs> to tell uh just like Three of them, uh, there's a whole list of ones that you can find. Uh, one is beware of absolute answers of gray issues. That's why I think I would always have trouble being in a cult is because when any, anyone says this is the answer to something, even if I kind of believe it, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I think mm -hmm. I'm just a contrarian. Uh, watch out for too much us versus them rationale. And the biggest one, I think the number one, one thing that is like, yep, it's a cult is if you're ever asked to distance yourself from friends or family. Yeah. Watch out. If you have right. to, if they become your new community completely, uh, I would maybe take a new look at your triangle pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> Things aren't going great. And finally, if you look around the room and you can't see who the cult leader is, <laughs> it might be you. Oh, no. <laughs> and also by the transitive property, you are Oprah Winfrey. Thank you and good night. <laughs> Shrimp shells. All right. For me, 
shrimp shells have always been an annoyance, something to be discarded as I peel back the delicate flesh of these mm, succulent crustaceans. Then I found myself in the rooftop dining room of a department store in downtown Tegu, South Korea, dining on a spicy seafood stew with some friends. The stew had shrimp in it, whole shrimp, with the heads and the eyes and the antenna stuff. And the shrimp was looking at me. I naturally ate around the shrimp. That is, until there was nothing left. That's when one of my friends at the table picked up one of the creatures and placed it in my bowl. Good, he said. Eat, eat. You know, we don't usually eat the shells in my community. We don't eat the tails either. But across rural China, there are various traditions, including deep frying all kinds of shelled creatures, shrimp included, and eating them whole. Diners believe the shells contain a vital life essence, never to be wasted. In Japan, shrimp heads are considered a delicacy, valued for their concentration of rich, decadent flavors. Carefully prepared, these shrimp heads impart a depth and savoriness that connoisseurs argue the naked shrimp alone cannot match. So what is the secret of the shell? Apparently, I'm behind the times. Here in the U.S., chefs all across the country have made the turn New Orleans and other parts across the Deep South have known all along. Always eat it all. So back at my table, the shrimp looked into me, and I looked back into it. And my friends, they looked into me too. And then they each held their own giant shrimp in their fingers, poised to put them in their mouths, but waiting, waiting for me to make my move. Would I do it? Would I partake in the whole meal with them? Or would I be just one more American shown up by the power of the foreignness of their food? I bit into it. They smiled. They patted me on the back as they bit into theirs. And it wasn't at all what I expected. Crunchy, but not too crunchy. But it tasted of magic soaked with the flavors of the broth, encompassing not just the spirit of the bowl that sat between us, but the spirit of the table. Is there science behind this cultural wisdom? Are there vital nutrients and flavor compounds hidden within the chitinous walls of the humble shrimp shell? I don't know. You know what? I didn't even check it out. Because what I got out of crunching down on that shell was more than a culinary experience. At that table, maybe for the first time since I arrived in the country, I belonged. Do you want to demonstrate you belong without biting down on a thing that stares back at you all the way to your mouth? Become a feeling friend today. For just $35, you'll get access to the member live stream when we record, early access to the shows in your very own member podcast feed, our latest batch of stickers, and a present from Tom, the classic ATF bingo card. Visit our fancy URL for the show, allthefeelings.fun, today. Excerpts from Belonging by Rosemary Watola Tronger. And if it's true we are alone, we are alone together, the way blades of grass are alone, but exist as a field. Sometimes I feel it, the green fuse that ignites us, the wild thrum that unites us, an inner hum that reminds us of our shared humanity. Just as 136,000 notes make up one symphony, 
Alone as we are, our small voices weave into the one big conversation. Our actions are essential to the one infinite story of what it is to be alive. When we feel alone, we belong to the grand communion of those who sometimes feel alone. We are the dust, the dust that hopes, a rising of dust, a thrill of dust, the dust that dances in the light with all other dust, the dust that makes the world. Tom, you you really went dark with belonging, <laughs> and me. I I wonder if people see the word belonging, and the first thing they expect to hear is not about you're in a cult, you don't even know it. <laughs> I know, maybe I shouldn't have gone first, <laughs> but I had to get my triangle Magoo to, in there. You had yeah. to get triangle Magoo out there. Mm -hmm. I I want to start. I want to back the truck up a little bit and just mm -hmm. ask you, what are the different ways we sort of self organize as humans? It, all the different ways, like all of, I'd like be, you to know all of them. No, just a, just a couple. You know, what community. do you think about? Okay, uh, religion, mm -hmm. politics, sure, um, uh, family, friends, mm -hmm. friends of friends. When you think of belonging, what's the first one you think of? Friends. Yeah. Is that good? Does yeah, that help? About, well, and it's me too. And I wonder if that is a, uh, if that's a principled response of privilege as we mm. are middle-aged white guys. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Because before we started talking about this, this you know, doing this show, and I, I, the listeners may remember last time as we closed out the show, we said, we don't know what we're talking about. And that was true. Um, <laughs> and so here we are. I had the opportunity to sit down with some friends, a, a diverse group, right? There were m many people of color and some, and we were all sitting around talking about, um, you know, our, our <laughs> talking about our feelings as you want to do. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I asked, you know, I'm preparing this podcast and we're going to be talking about belonging. And what is the first thing you think about when you think of belonging? And it took the people of color a uh, half a second to say race. Like it's the first thing is like our right. color. I didn't even say that as one of the options. I know. I didn't either. I mm. didn't even think about it. I didn't even think about it. And I think that's, that is 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 the challenge that makes mm. belonging a complicated question of privilege and mm -hmm. it's privilege from the in-group and from the perspective of the out-group, right? That right. it is so deeply contextually driven, uh, belonging to what, to whom, to when, to why, right? right? And DNA is one of them. The other ones that you mentioned are, are they fall into the broader characters of either purpose we're working toward a, a thing together, right? Mm -hmm. And we're on the same page. Maybe that's we're working to grow the cult for 23 or something like that. <laughs> uh, but but maybe it's, you know, we're aiming to help, uh, you know, end homelessness and the unhoused in our community, or we're attempting to, you know, feed those who need to be fed or something like that. There's also the ideology. And that's you talk about politics. That's where we find, right. uh, you know, great divides in ideology and in group out group messaging right we are we're a part of this group and and so we share um you know certain common beliefs and traits that make us satisfy the the uh safety needs that because we believe together right then we are right. safer 
we're not alone mm -hmm. and our belongingness and love needs and our esteem needs. We, we feel like we've accomplished something by, say, getting our candidate into office or, right. or whatever. But as soon as you start peeling back the Maslow-ness of it, it, it starts like belonging starts feeling a little bit fragile. And so I wanted to add the uh, two more pieces to to what it means to belong, right? Not just that it, it's it it satisfies these deep needs, but what we talked about last week with efficacy, right? Self-efficacy. We went down mm -hmm. that whole long thing that was probably useless for everybody, but efficacy <laughs> defines how does my belonging to this group bring out the best in me? Mm -hmm. How does it allow me to participate in more than name only, in more than rank only? And and second effort, like how hard is it for me to do the work of, of being a part of this community? Is it, you know, hard work is made easy when you are in a shared, you know, objective, when you're working toward a shared goal or you're in a shared group. And mm -hmm. And I, I find those things uh, uh, really inter interesting sort of constituent el elements that, that come around to belonging without having to specifically talk about race, color, creed. But it might make it easier to see when we self-organize. That's why, right? That's why right. we're organizing. It, it, what and, do you think about to, this? Well, to point out, originally this uh, season was going to be called All the White Feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm embarrassed that the race didn't come up. I'm still dealing with it. Uh, I know. Me too. Me too. And I, I yeah. didn't even have to out that as a thing, but I, I, I outed us both as like not <laughs> having any, like we are, we are so, we're so white and privileged. You dug and, a hole in, in the forest to, and we both jumped in. <laughs> and we have to, it, it, we have to talk about it, right? Because sure. that's the, like, that's the point that that's the, that's the feeling is regret. <laughs> right. <laughs> But, but no, I mean, yeah. The, yeah, there is strength. There's strength in teamwork. There's strength in numbers. All of that, of course, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And there's enormous amount of comfort to come from that, too. Yeah, right. And and it feels it, it like when we go back to our old friend evolutionary uh, rationale for a feeling, evolutionarily, belonging was good. When we felt like we belonged to a group, our health and safety legit right. depended on it because don't forget the patented what's that smell all the feelings saber-toothed tiger is always there around the That's next right. corner and That's when right. you are in an in-group of like-minded individuals whose mission is don't get eaten by that saber-toothed tiger right there then you are you are doing something and reinforcing the belonging behavior that that goes on to define cultures microcultures macrocultures mm -hmm. and you know civilization right uh, so I think that's really interesting. I think there is the, the thing that I, I I teased that I might go dark. Mm -hmm. This is where I talk. So if you don't want to go dark again, you could pretend that we just told a funny joke and the music started playing and then skip. <laughs> oh, no. How dark can we do it? Are you just going to play the rest of The Mist? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I just I I came across this concept that I hadn't I hadn't thought about. Okay. Uh, it's the concept of the imagined community. Imagined you know, community. What do you know of the imagined community? And I think, I think this is a thing that is native to us, like 20th century and beyond. Like, I, I don't know that this was a thing evolutionarily useful, but maybe it was. Maybe you'll tell me I'm wrong. But I, I just think it's interesting. Have you ever heard of the concept? I've never heard of the concept, but something immediately sprung to my mind. 
when you use those two words together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Facebook. The right. idea of social media making it seem like we're closer than we actually are. And so you're, you're like, oh, yeah, I just, you know, checked in with that person. But you didn't. You liked something that they did. And that's different than talking to them on the phone. I've become less of a grouch about this because I lost my war against Facebook a long time ago. Uh, but just, yeah, that that was a real concern that I had of the people thinking that they were much closer than they were. And then, yeah. Yes. Is, and, did I get it right? You, you absolutely, you're, you are, yes, it is a part oh. of it. And I okay. want to, I want to tell you the whole thing because it Please. deserves, it deserves a full title. Uh, historian Benedict Anderson wrote the book, Imagined Communities, Reflections on the Origin and Spread of Nationalism. Oh, no. It was published in 1983. Okay. And I had never thought of of this concept. I had never heard it. I can't believe it, it hasn't been brought up in my circle. But the whole concept is this. It refers to the ways individuals come to see themselves as part of a larger group or social construct, right, with mm-hmm. whom they will never fully meet or engage, right? And Anderson goes on to say, it, you, we could be talking about a nation, right? What does it mean to be an American or a Canadian or a Mexican right. or an Argentinian mm-hmm. that becomes when you break down what those barriers are, those become artificial, like political divides mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that make national boundaries. And we, those of us who celebrate some sort of, uh, you know, vein of patriotism celebrate that arbitrary boundary. It's right. an arbitrary boundary. I could be on the border of North Dakota and in minutes be eating poutine. And does that <laughs> ma- like, am I more or less American or Canadian, right, right. at that given time? And, and I think that is a fascinating thing. But when we add digital media, right, mm. to to this concept of imagined communities, that's when we start getting these, these uh, you know, the, the followings that creep up on social media that imagine they're a part of this greater thing when no one in their immediate, like, uh, you know, practical community shares any of the ideology behind those things. Right? Interesting. Well, because that, that goes back to, like, YouTube rabbit holes. Yes. That we have friends and friends of friends and some of their kids and stuff have every once in a while gone down into a rabbit hole and you really believe, oh, I, I'm really a part of this community. Yeah. But it's just because YouTube is amplifying this very small amount of voices in right. order to make you believe that Bitcoin is a good idea. <laughs> yes. that Bitcoin is a great example. Yeah. Going to a pizza place with a gun to free the children who are not in the basement. No. That is another example that's often discussed in this in, in this circumstance. So this is imagined communities. While I, I think imagined communities can be a real con, you know, conceit for good, it's mm-hmm. good to see yourself, to feel yourself as and to develop a sense of pride about who you are and how your identity aligns with others um, for positive, right? For good. Mm-hmm. But this, we can also see how these, like the, the imagined community can be um, manipulated, can be, can grow out outside of uh, rational thought mm-hmm. or experience and outside of fact and, and create real practical problems 
um, because we feel in alignment. And I, I think, you know, when I talk about digital communities for good, I think about people who write into the show. I think about people who, you know, we've, we've been on the ADHD podcast. We have a large community over in the ADHD community. And those are people who may never meet in person, right? But they're, they're part of that community. And even if they're never speaking up, Right. They share an alignment with those who do speak up because mm -hmm. they can see those things together. And I think that is an imagined community that can be real. It's the imagined community that becomes dangerous, right? Uh, and Anderson says it is. A, he has three points that are a little bit impenetrable, but I'll try. It's okay. imagined. Be, it, it, the, the imagined community is imagined as limited because even the largest nation has finite, if elastic, boundaries beyond which lie other nations. No nation imagines itself as co-extensive with mankind. Uh, I need help with that. Right. What is that? What does that even mean? Co-extensive <laughs> with mankind, yeah. right? The co-extensive means extending over the same space or time or co corresponding exactly in extent, right? And no nation, a nation is a political body, mm -hmm. not a human body, right? It's Got an it. arbitrary. Yes. And so it is limited, but we are not. And that's, that's a, a conflict. God. It is imagined as, as sovereign because this concept was born in an age which enlightenment and revolution were destroying the legitimacy of the divinely ordained hierarchical dynastic realm, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I know, but this should be right up your alley because we're talking about enlightenment and revolution, right? Sure. That, yeah. that our, our imagined communities uh, are, are being tested by former uh, uh, structures of, right. uh, you know, landlords. religion, and landlords, <laughs> fiefdoms, right? Yeah. Um, landlords with crowns <laughs> yeah right. exactly exactly and it's imagined an imagined community is imagined as a community because regardless of the actual inequality and exploitation that may prevail in each a nation is always conceived as a deep horizontal comradeship ultimately it is this fraternity that makes it possible over the last two centuries for so many millions of people not so much to kill as willingly to die for such limited imaginings. Mm. That's right. This is patriotism. Right. This is, we have created this arbitrary structure and the borders say that we are France. And as French people, because we all share this, um, you know, this ideology, this identity as French people living inside this arbitrary boundary, we're willing to die for that union. Right. Well, and that it well first the first thing that it reminds me of is Bill Hicks, my one of my favorite comedians. That yeah. was his take on patriotism was, "Am I proud to be American? I mean, my parents had sex there. <laughs> like, <laughs> what exactly is it? it? Like, that's yep. where that's why you are where you are." Um, and yeah, right. and so, you know what it also reminds me of? If we can take it away from just like different, if it's not just patriotism, and I'm not trying to go political with this, but. When did red states, blue states become such a big thing? We say it now like it's the most natural thing in the entire world, but it wasn't like that when I was a kid. I always like, felt I like remember. that was a Reagan thing. I don't know. I may be misinterpreting my experience of childhood, but it felt like that sort of like branding states yeah. 
as having their own ideology, which is totally false. Like it's crazy. You, you live in California, and that is perceived as a wildly progressive blue state. But I, there are there are really deep reds in California. No, go to the any beach yeah. community. They're still flying flags everywhere, yeah. and the yeah. flags I don't care for. Yeah, it's, I, it's same it's thing not... with Oregon. Like it's the same thing. Like yeah. it is vastly, uh, you know, more complicated fabric of right. what patriotism means as an Oregonian. Yeah. I like your idea of that. It, I would think it's either be Reagan or one of the Bushes. It seems yeah. like around that time period mm -hmm. that I guess the news just decided yeah. that that was a good way to do it to make us all insane. <laughs> right, right. And suddenly we have a language to define not just inclusion, but exclusion. Yep. Yeah. Right. Now we have defined, we've just branded the state of Oregon as a, uh, as a blue state only because right. a lot of people live in Portland. That's it. That's the only reason. <laughs> yes, yes. Some people have heard of Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, right. And therefore, we're all we're all elitists. Everybody's yeah. elite. Yep. It is. Yeah, because when you that is fascinating. When you just say red state, you're actually saying paragraphs of supposed yes. information that yes. changes yeah. from one Shorthand. person to the other. Yeah. If you live in a red state, you would define that in a certain way. If you live in a blue state, you would define that in a certain way. Um. But that's just, I just wanted to bring that up as even within a nation, there are battle yeah. lines, for lack of a better word, being drawn about identity, about belonging and community. Well, this leads me to the last, and I, I should say, for all those who left, I hope you've come back, uh, because I do, I do want to ask you this question, because I think it really defines in-group, out-group. To what, Tom, would you call yourself a fan? What would I call myself a fan of? Mm -hmm. Um, tons of things like books, movies, because this is what we're talking about too, right? Haunted houses, roller coasters, all the stuff I yeah. talked about joy earlier, right. dogs. You're a fan of stuff, right? And yeah. to the extent that your fandom, uh, enforces activism is the extent to which communities are created around things, right? And I think this is I think this is, ends up being really special and more special now having thought about all these other kind of, you know, introductions to crazy, you know, negative things ar around belonging. And then yeah. I think, oh, my gosh, you know what else I've made fun of in the past? Twilight fans. I'm never going <laughs> to I'm never going to do that again. I'm never yeah. going to do that again, because, yeah. frankly, they're celebrating something. They're celebrating the Venn diagram overlap of the of the their the way their identities overlap in a really positive way. And mm -hmm. I think that's there is there's reason to celebrate fandoms. Uh, and so I'm a fan of Star Trek. I love Star Trek. I'm a fan. I don't know if you've heard. I'm a huge fan of F1 now. Yeah, that's right. I watched the entire <laughs> Singapore Grand Prix this weekend. And, and I and so those are things that I love deep diving deep into these things and celebrating with other people people when i see another person i am like i already imagine myself as part of this fandom right it's my imagined community even though i don't really know a lot of people who drive f1 i don't know right. any. but when someone comes up to me and says oh my god you just said the word you just said the thing that triggered my fandom too and now i'm mm. here to celebrate with you that feels exuberant exultant yeah. it feels so good right to know that I'm really, I'm not along. I belong even with it's one other person, but the likelihood of belonging to more means just one other person represents a sample. And right. that feels good. It does feel good. And it makes me feel bad for how long growing up I s spent in snarkiness mm -hmm. because me too. 
fandom and um you know geek culture for a terrible phrase all of this stuff has really changed over our lifetime mm -hmm. uh superheroes <laughs> i mean it's so much of the outside have become inside dungeons and dragons all of those things um but like uh static the short film that johnny jackaloni and i made we uh were recently in a horror convention in long beach mm -hmm. and walking around that horror convention there are just a lot of people like me and then there's a lot of horror people like that are fully dressed up like they're pinhead like they're all why sorts is, of i was gonna say pinhead why is he the first person we think of the reason is because it looks like it took the most amount of time yeah it's not Most someone patients. putting on a hockey mask and being like, "Whoa!" Right. It's someone no, that like is a fan. Yes, if it's done right, I mean, yeah. and it's hot under there. Yeah, you look. But there, when I was growing up, I would have seen them as the other and been like, "Oh boy," you know, manufactured personality much. Mm -hmm. Now I'm so much more like, "This is for you. This is not yeah. for me." It's like being like being mad at people that like don't sing great at karaoke what are you doing <laughs> yeah this is for them this is the idea of being able to i'm not a professional singer and so i get the chance to go up in front of people and sing like i do in the shower and so all of that snarkiness i believe has really drained out of me and has for a long time i wish i could go back to young tom and been like you know it's not that cool Take being chandler <laughs> yeah <laughs> being chandler all the time like that's that guy sucks yeah, um, Chandler aged poorly. Yeah, right? well, yeah, in a couple um, ways. <laughs> it's okay, boy, oh boy, I read the book. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, but no, I like the idea of if it's not hurting anybody, it's helping people. Mm -hmm. Because if it's community, it's community, and communities are great. Uh, yeah. And that's belonging. That's healthy belonging. And there's that's no reason a, right. to, to yuck that. Yeah, right, right. And and I think that's the most. And so when it goes back to like uh, thinking about. Uh, man, how hard it is to have someone else look at the a community that you value and say, yeah, but your community doesn't value me, right? We can be a fandom, sports team, sci-fi, whatever, Twilight, who, who cares? Or um, racial, uh, gender, whatever. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that cause such immediate pain. And I think that's the that's the thing that gives me so much sort of stuff to think about as we wrap up this this conversation i mean as as we said this is kind of our first time exploring belonging as a bouquet of feelings that come along with with the experience of in groups out groups and it's really hard and super scary and uh definitely more complicated than i ever gave it credit for and uh, i would also i i do want to shout out as a reference i kind of can't believe that this uh place exists uh but it's fantastic it is the othering and belonging institute at what? berkeley yeah lots of information on uh belonging the othering and belonging institute it's at belonging.berkeley.edu and they talk about all of the the concepts that we've talked about and so much more oh, wow. in terms of figuring out how to help people feel safe and and included in their communities and not excluded from others they choose not to identify with. Right. Wow. Um, Berkeley, pretty, go for it. pretty special joint. So I uh, have to shout out to that one. Well, as long as we're shouting out uh, and about belonging and wonderful communities, have you heard of uh, Dave and Buster's? <laughs> it's great. <laughs> you get all these tokens. <laughs> <laughs> you, you zoom along and there's a whole ski ball game and it's pretty cool. <laughs> <Why>? <laughs>
Said him, oh, drink special amber, special amber, special amber. Oh, we drink special amber, and the happier we shall be. Thank you all so much for joining us on this episode. Uh, this week's tune is More We Are Together by Energy Plus. Tom, hmm. how can we, do we have a, a, a topic of joy and emotion that it just exudes joy and light and th- that we can really crap all over next week? Absolutely. Let's just keep this belonging train going because there's one thing that we all belong to. It's a club called Stress. Oh. <laughs> we are going to be talking about the human emotion and feeling of stress. And I'm already sweating. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Until then, I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Tommy That's the Third. Thank you so much for downloading. We'll be back next week with all the feelings. Yeah, la, la.